the Intersection Education Podcast. Schools are the place where different institutions, services, and societal influences meet. In other words, they're at the intersection of children's lives. In the Intersection Education Podcast, we speak with insiders and outsiders of the education world to try to gain new insight and improve our schools. Hello and welcome to the Intersection Education Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Haley. Today is part one of a series that we're running called What Great Schools Do. In this series, we'll discuss different aspects and principles that guide the actions that are taken and the ideas that ensure success in high-performing schools. And to start, I just wanted to go over what we are defining as a great school. I'd say that uh, a great school is where student outcomes in both learning and life are positively impacted, where because of the school and the actions that it takes, students make progress. Now, there's no way that I've captured all of the elements that go into making a good school. So please don't think that uh, in this series, if your idea is not on a list, that it's not important. Rather, what we're trying to get here is, is a series that reflects some thinking right now, well, my thinking right now, uh, and I know that, that my thinking is certainly going to evolve over time. That's one of the great parts about learning. Now, be aware that much of what I say is based on my own interpretation of research with a healthy dose of lived experience. Uh, When there is meaningful research to share, I'm going to make sure that I include it in the show notes, and I fully suspect that those show notes uh, will change over time as I get better and get more and more research um, that that I want to direct you to. And I think that this is important because as teachers, we really do need to engage with research. So please follow a few of the links in the bottom and in the show notes to learn more about stuff that you are really interested in the content that you're hearing. Uh, I think that's really important. Now, for our first aspect of what great schools do, I've chosen to focus on something that I personally have invested a lot of time into. It's the aspect that I believe might have the highest impact of our entire series. That's right. I, I didn't leave the big one until the end. We're going to start off with uh, with a big hitter. And one of the most impactful things schools can do to be great is to engage in ongoing and meaningful teacher professional learning. Now, where's this coming from? Uh, research shows that the most important school-based factor in student achievement uh, is the teacher. I mean, over and over again, it comes out as the, the, the most important school-based factor. Now, this is important school-based. This is not home. Yeah, we know that uh, socioeconomic status, there are some other factors that are higher. But when it comes to school, the most important factor is the teacher. And this isn't only true for a year. It affects uh, our long-lasting. So when a t- student has a great teacher, they are impacted for a long time. And we know this. Think about your experiences with the teachers that you have had. Did that teacher who had a big impact, did that impact only last one year? Probably not. You probably thought of the lessons that they taught you or the strategies they presented over and over again as you progressed in your schooling. I mean, I remember vividly certain teachers teaching me strategies around multiplication and division, and that's in primary school. I mean, that is the impact of a great teacher. 
it is long-lasting, and you feel those effects even after you leave their classroom. So if we know that good teachers are so important, how do we go about increasing the ability of teachers? How do we go about helping teachers become better so that they can have that impact over time and that long-lasting reach? And that's the focus of this episode. I believe that the way that we help teachers to be great is by leading professional learning. Um, and those are the leaders in a school leading, helping to, to bring about excellent professional learning. And, and this has been said in many ways. People talk about this all the time. Some people talk about building teacher expertise. Other people talk about professional development or professional learning. But any way you slice it, schools and school leaders need to ensure that there are structures and time and place, and and all these things are are together for teachers to develop their teaching craft based on the students that they face and the issues that they are having difficulty with. Now, in our podcast, I have totally had the pleasure of speaking with guests who focused on this issue, and and I'm going to go over them near the end, but I would say that this is probably the most common theme of our guests. Um, like I said, at the end, I'll kind of go through the people that that I think spoke eloquently on this subject. Uh, but I want to present some of my uh, ideas first. And, and what are the essential elements that have emerged from all of these guests and the, the research that I've done and the work that I've done in our school? I, I think that, I think that, let me try and organize this in a way that will help others make decisions. So first of all, um, the thing that came out clearly is that we need time. There has to be set time inside of a school day when teachers can come together to work on their craft. This time needs to be valued enough that it's not taken over by other events that come up. And it needs to be scheduled in so that people know when it's coming to prepare And they need to know that they can do things and they are going to come together again at a set time to review what they've done. That brings us to our next one. I think that we've talked many times about the fact that that when we create time for teachers to collaboratively work on teaching practice, oftentimes nothing happens. Um, It's like they, they often just don't know what to do do they they can't negotiate the process for moving forward or they get caught up just in that intense daily work of running a classroom the marking the the field trips the the things that are just right in front of them this is why i think that providing a structure for teachers to work inside of around collaborative work gives direction and positive accountability. It takes away that wasted time of negotiating how they're going to work, and it gets them concentrating and getting the work done. I I really think that schools need a common or agreed-upon structure for the work they do for themselves, which is the work that they're doing is their own professional learning, and that can be developed over time, as we've seen in, in many different examples. Going on, I think that uh, collaboration is really important, and I realize this one is a bit contentious, but, but I really do believe it and have come more and more to believe that collaboration has to be present. I think that people will learn faster when they do doing work in groups. The way that they uh, get together can absolutely differ, but this idea of lone wolf teaching is just, it's not effective, and, and the research will show that 
collaborative professional learning in a certain, in different ways is going to be more effective. And, and, you know, this can be critical friends who can push our thinking. This can be people who are ensuring that we are accountable, accountable to do the things that we said we're going to do. It can be uh, bringing forth new experiences that even inform our future choices. But there are just too many, too many positive, uh, positive consequences of collaboration. I think it's got to be there. All right, next, I'm going to talk about direction. Now, what does this, what does this mean? Uh, there needs to be a sense of direction when working on school goals. So some people are really goal-orientated. I, I actually think that um, goals can sometimes be mismanaged. And so I think that the, the better sense is a direction. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a single topic like literacy. But it can rather be an approach. So for instance, one of the best directions that I have ever heard given to a staff is for teachers to ask themselves and to have a discussion about what do my students need me to learn about next? So as the teacher, I ask myself the question, my students who are coming to me tomorrow, what do they need me to learn about? And, and this question really does focus the attention of the teacher on what's important rather than what is uninteresting. I've seen it oftentimes where teachers are, are following the fun thing to do or the trendy thing to do, but they don't actually see that when you ask them as a problem for their teaching practice or for their students. And so um, this question of what our students need us to learn um, is, is really questioning what is the impact and what do we need as opposed to, you know, what's fun. And uh, this question is also really powerful because it puts the teachers in control of evaluating and choosing what they need to work on. Um, this idea of people not being acted upon, but rather having voice and agency in the direction of their learning, I think that's important. Now, does this need to fit into the school plan? Absolutely. Uh, but I think that asking that question and getting drilling down into a small aspect of that, I think that there definitely needs to be that direction. Now, um, the next one that, that oftentimes people forget about is, is I think that there needs to be elements of research or coaching. And, and this is slightly different than this collaborative uh, piece or the, the collaborative element that I was talking about. The question is, how do we find new ways of attacking our problems? Well, from what I've seen, oftentimes we just do the same thing over and over and over, the definition of insanity. Um, then we try another, perhaps an older method, and sometimes it works and sometimes it not. But the question again goes, how do we find new strategies to try that are going to have a high chance or the highest chance of success? And how do we know? And this is really another essential element of what grade schools do. They engage with research. And at times, if you can't engage with research, they'll engage with a coach who is engaging with the research to learn new ways to solve problems. I get it. Research can often be difficult to navigate. You know, oftentimes teachers lack the time, uh, sometimes even just the skill to successfully read and interpret a really high-end academic paper. Um, they could perhaps understand what it means, but it's not translatable down to what do we do in the classroom. And, and this is why we need to ensure that high-quality research gets to teachers in a form that can be used. And that's why I have actually changed this. I used to be all about the research, but I realize now you sometimes just need someone who can interpret the research and let you know. 
And school leaders can do this by regularly sharing interesting research that they believe would help with common difficulties. Um, You know, working with an instructional coach is another way that I've seen to be really effective to find different solutions to educational problems. And that added benefit of that coach is that they can actually have the ability to model and give feedback around the strategies that that they're trying out. And, um, you know, I've, I, the best instructional coaches that I've seen have just a great base of knowledge uh, in both research and that lived experience to translate research down to the classroom so that they can help other teachers put in place amazing new strategies that have a high impact or a high chance of success. Um, the last element that I want to talk about around leading professional learning is about leader involvement. Now, to quote one of my favorite books in education, which is Student-Centered Leadership by Vivienne Robinson, here she says, the most important, sorry, the most powerful way that school leaders can make a difference to the learning of their students is by promoting and participating in the professional learning and development of their teachers. This is probably the most succinct way to put it. So essentially, the educational leaders in a building need to learn too. They need to be meaningfully involved in learning that's going on in their school. And they can't be happy to just set everything up, say, oh yeah, have a great time, and then retreat to the office for some email time. Leaders need to be getting dirty in the learning as well. They need to be part of what is going on. And I can't understate this. This is the research that is showing clearly leaders need to learn with the teachers. Now, um, we know that we don't need to come up with brand new uh, models for this. There are a heck of a lot of protocols and structures that exist already. Um, Some of the ones that we have seen that that go over all of these elements are uh, learning sprints, teaching sprints, um, elements of spiral of inquiry, uh, design thinking, um, even the basic been around forever now, it feels like professional learning communities or PLCs are really popular with schools. But I think that great schools have elements of all of these things. They create time. They have a structure for teachers to work within on their own professional learning. It is collaborative, and that collaboration might look different, but there are times when they get together with others to challenge their thinking. There is a clear sense of direction in what they are working on. They're doing what is important, not what is fun. They're engaging with research, whether that be directly by reading articles or through an intermediary who's a leader or a coach. And that leader of the school is involved in the professional learning. Now, as I've said, we have had a great many guests that have talked about this exact subject. And I just want to give a quick roundup of some of the previous times that we've spoken about this topic on the show, in case you want to go back. And I'm going to do it from the most recent down to the to, to maybe our first ones. And, and the first one that really comes up is Dr. Simon Breakspear. He, he really spoke to us about building teacher expertise and, and how the system of learning sprints or teaching sprints that he has organized uh, really 
can have elements of every single one of the things that I just mentioned. Um, the organized time, the structure, and all of this to make it happen. If you are interested in trying to get some of these elements, I highly recommend you to come back and, and look at the uh, work above uh, Simon Breakspear around learning sprints or teaching sprints. Now, my conversations with Dr. Randy Hetherington and Bryn Spence have often focused on how we might develop that culture of learning with the adults in the building to ensure we are always focused on getting better for our students. In fact, that idea of the the direction and the culture and how do we get people on board has been a big topic of conversation in our round tables. Um, The next one I want to talk is when I spoke with two people, that's Janelle Allen and Justin Jackson, they both spoke about engaging adults in learning. In other words, engaging the teachers and the school staff which is an area that schools often often have difficulty with. Um, they are, um, what I find is that schools are often comfortable leading students learning. This is where we have a lot of our training. This is where we have a lot of our lived experience. But some simply just can't engage the adults in schools to the same level. And that's why I really appreciated those two people who are talking about engaging adults. Adult learners are different to in certain important areas to students, and and we need to be aware of that. Um, the next uh, guest that we had that really talked about this was Dr. Jennifer Tupper, and remember, she's the uh, dean of the School of Education or the Faculty of Education at the University of Alberta. And what she was talking about was how education faculties are going about developing new teachers who are entering the profession. Um, this is really an important area that leads to this ongoing professional learning. It was really interesting to get her uh, perspective on how to build teachers, how to uh, develop their expertise, rather. Next one I want to speak to about is Jennifer Waring, who spoke to us about instructional coaching. Um, important element as a intermediary between lived experience and research getting in the classroom. And uh, she really spoke really well about ways that schools can can use instructional coaching to increase the expertise of their teachers. And this idea that it's done without this fear of evaluation by an administrator. This instructional coaching is done by a peer. Um, next, I want to talk with uh, about John McGettigan, who really spoke for the need for teachers to lead their own professional learning. And by teachers, he means school leaders who, who should be teachers as well. And, and this idea of ongoing learning, um, he spoke about the importance of leaders in the building who are teachers as well, hopefully, being uh, great teachers and being involved in professional learning and how this can really transform um, ongoing capacity inside of a school, inside of a school division, inside of an entire system. Um, the next four, the last four who, who were perhaps a bit earlier. And so if you haven't checked these podcasts out, please go and do that because Dr. Carolyn Cameron, Christy O'Neill, Terilyn Guimond, and Dr. Ryan Dunn all spoke very directly to this idea of how do we build teacher expertise. Um, Dr. Carolyn Cameron, uh, focused her time really on that. How do we lead 
teacher professional learning. And my, my favorite quote that really sticks with me from that interview is when she said, when teachers stop learning, so do their students. That's just so true. Um, Christy O'Neill spoke about her work in Australia to develop teachers. She spoke about that, that idea of using data to guide the focus of professional learning. And that comes back to my question, what do our students need us to learn? Part of that is gut, gut, emotion and and what we feel, but a lot of that should be real about data and then knowing whether we're going to uh, have impact. Cherilyn Guimon spoke uh, uh, at length about learning sprints and teacher sprints to organize how they use that to really organize the teacher learning and how that's been very effective at building over time this teacher expertise. And lastly, Dr. Ryan Dunn spoke to us about how teachers want to get better, but they often just don't know how. What they're doing, I think, and what he spoke to is they're looking for leadership teams in schools to help them so that there's a structure for ongoing professional learning. I think the way that he spoke to it is they're looking for a better how, not a better what. Uh, Oftentimes they know the strategies, he said. They just don't know how to get it from this research or from this idea into their classrooms. Well, that's our first episode in our series of What Great Schools Do. Now, if you like this, really reach out to us. Let us know what you thought. Let us know if you thought that we got it right or if we got it wrong. You can do that by visiting our website, intersectioneducation.com. You can follow us on Twitter at intersectioned, and we're even on Facebook. Now, feel free to reach out. Um, Give us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate it when you do. And we'll look forward to seeing you in our next edition of our series on what great schools do. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Intersection Education Podcast. Just a reminder that you can connect with us on our website, intersectioneducation.com, on Twitter, intersectioned, or leave a review on iTunes. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time.